evening and welcome to the I Want to Be a Producer podcast, sponsored by Flying Penguin Graphics, produced by Kieran Nemont. And here's your host, Curtis Brown. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the I Want to Be a Producer podcast, where emerging creatives and producers can gain insight from established and respected producers about what it takes to become successful in the TV, film, theater, or any industry that has a producer. My name is Curtis Brown. I'm your host. And of course, I am joined by the peanut butter to my jelly, the bacon to my eggs, the Lysol wipe to my COVID virus, podcast mixer, editor, and producer, Kieran Nemont. Hello, how's it going? Kieran, tell us what's going on. Absolutely nothing. Well, you really know how to tell a story, Kieran. Um, so <laughs> we have uh, branched out into the new world of social media and have a Facebook and Twitter page now. Uh, we are only missing a Tinder profile, which is currently <laughs> being set up by Kieran's girlfriend for me to possibly meet a financial analyst that has a photo with her dog or a photo with her and 12 friends. And I can't tell which one she is, but we are working on it. Uh, you can find us on Facebook under I Want to Be a Producer Podcast and on Twitter at I. W-A-B-A-P underscore podcast. I just realized that can be easily confused with WAP by Cardi B, but we can guarantee nothing will be wet here. Uh, extremely dry, especially when Kieran is telling a story. There's like, it's the driest humor of all dry. It's how they do it in Johannesburg. Isn't that right, Brew? That's a terrible accent. Oh, great. Do there we go. So when he does say something, he just makes fun of me, even though that's all I do here to him. So it's really just a taste of my own medicine. Uh, this somehow, somehow this segues into our guest today because we talk about longevity, numerous jobs and how to never give up, which I think is also really important in times of COVID. And I did just want to kind of to mention something about not to date the podcast, but I think it's important to mention that there has been another lockdown in the UK. Uh, Kieran, I know you're in the UK right now, um, yes, sir. which is just absolutely, I mean, it's horrendous what's going on. Um, but I just wanted to say for uh, all our listeners from the UK, whether you're a producer, actor, performer, a stage manager, backstage crew, front of house crew, concession employee, usher, etc., whatever you do that makes the collaborative process of theater happen. We are thinking of you and we are sending you love. Um, but I want to get to our guest today who talks about his quite unique journey because he met his collaborators early on in his career, one of which became a a-list celebrity in Hollywood. Uh, we talk about longevity in the creation and career, talks about different producers' roles he has held in numerous productions, pitching to major networks, how he became instrumental in the production of Apple TV's Central Park, and even working with comedy legend Fred Willard. So, take it away. Our guest today is a producer, writer, and actor who currently resides in Harlem, New York. He studied at Carnegie Mellon and the famous Groundlings Theater in Los Angeles, which is where he met longtime friend and collaborator Josh Gad. Not a big deal. In 2005, he created alongside four other artists, The Lost Nomads, which is a multi-award winning sketch comedy group that provides an irreverent take on cultural events, unique characterizations, and social commentary. Together with the BBC, they created GG Almost American, which won Best Web Series and Comedy Series Awards at the Marseille Web Festival and can be now streamed on Hulu. He has written for Marvel, Defy Media, BBC, Maker Studios, B Productions, Disney, Fox, and Victor House. He most recently produced Central Park on Apple TV which stars Josh Gad, Leslie Odom Jr., Kirsten Bell, Stanley Tucci, and many more A-list celebrities. Among these lists of significant accomplishments, and many more not named, he is a huge Portland Trailblazers fan, starred in a movie with the late great Fred Willard, and he is even an answer on Google Home if you ask the right questions. Welcome to the I Want to Be a Producer podcast, Kevin Larson. Kevin Larson. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. Dude, where'd you get all that information? Uh, I did a me? lot of research, man. You should see my entire uh, my entire Google is uh, is all Kevin Larson information. Oh, yeah, that's great. That was solid, man. I was some stuff I even forgot about. I was like, oh shit, I guess I did do some stuff. <laughs> hey, man, that's it. That's how you end up being on Apple TV, right? So yeah, it is actually. It's a long journey. Yeah, man. So, well, here, we're going to get into that journey. So you go to Carnegie Mellon for a few years, then you end up at the Groundlings. Mm-hmm. So was the dream to be an actor? Like, what, when did producing start to take the forefront of your career? Yeah, actually, I went to school for to get a BFA in acting. Um, I was at Carnegie for uh, two years. My brother was a senior when I was a freshman, so I got taken in by the seniors, and that allowed me to maybe have access to couple more parties than a freshman should have (laughs) access to. Um, But I, so I went there for two years. Basically I didn't, you know, honestly for all the kids that are going to to school for acting and stuff like that, especially if they're in a conservative, well, any program, really, I was going to say a conservative, a conservatory program uh, or any acting program at all. Like just, you have to be careful not to get swept up in the wrong things because it takes a lot of focus to, you know, basically take acting seriously and you really have to soak it all up. Um, and so, you know, I could have done a much better job of doing that, but, uh, they basically, they said, Hey, take a year off. Find out if you still want to go here. Um, and I ended up going to Los Angeles and, you know, I got there and I was lucky enough to get a manager an agent. So I just started auditioning like right when I got there. Um, and with that, I just felt like, well, I guess if I'm already doing it, I'll just stay here and keep doing Mm -hmm. it. Uh, I, you know, I have what my friends who just graduated had. And the cool thing about Carnegie Mellon is it's, it's so small that you just kind of, you know, everybody in the arts, the acting program, directing program, writing program, musical theater, you know, everybody. Um, so when I graduated out, the class that I came out with, um, was the class of 2003, which was Josh Gadlow's Leo, Rory O'Malley, Katie Nixon. Um, I'm there's that class has done very well. Those are just a couple, just, just a that few have, names. Hey, just a, yeah, just a couple, just a couple. Uh, but all just the entire class was so cool. And I was so fortunate. They just took me under their wing because all the people that had came to Los Angeles, um, I ended up living with Rory O'Malley and Jacqueline Fiesta. Uh, but before I ruined it with Rory, I was having a tough time. You know, I was working at the home Depot overnights, so I could audition during the day right. and it was just like really taxing on me. And so I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to go back to Carnegie, but then Los Angeles, what connects Los Angeles to Portland, Oregon, well, you know, Hillsborough, Oregon is where I'm from, but up by Portland, Oregon is interstate five. And we had a huge snowstorm. My car's packed up. I moved out of the place I was in. All my belongings are with me. Um, and I was going to go home and then go back to Carnegie the next year. And the road closed. So they shut down the pass, like right at the California, uh, Oregon border. So there was no going home. So then in that time, it was actually my, my brother was like, dude, why don't you take like a comedy class or something, you know? Um, and so I was like, well, I'll go to the groundlings. That was the only, cause back then, I mean, like everybody does it now. UCB is huge, which is great. I mean, I think everybody should learn how to improvise, but it's just, it was different then. Right. Um, in the sense that it was very competitive. Not everybody was going that route. Um, you really had to, you had to audition to get in. Um, and then it cost an arm and a leg to go there at the, well, at the time it did. Cause you know, we're all just like, bro, well, that's just right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was really intensive and really cool. Uh, the serendipitous thing that happened was when I was in line at Groundlings, I ran into Josh who Josh Gad, who I had seen a couple times in LA hung out with. Um, we were 
we were friends, but it's not like, like we like hung out together, but we knew each other very well. Um, and so I ended up taking Groundlings with him and a couple of his buddies from back in Florida. Uh, this dude, Seth, who's uh, married to Bryce Dallas Howard, which is, I'm going to name drop because that's the Do only it way as much as you'd like, man. No, it, yeah. it is interesting <laughs> no matter like, what, whether you name drop or not, yeah. you're an interesting guy. So that's why it's good. <laughs> so basically, I, I was in line with Josh and we were like, hey, let's take the same class. Made each other laugh a whole bunch. After that, he and his then girlfriend decided to start a sketch comedy group called Option C at the time. And it, we would do live stage shows and they asked me to be a part of that, which was really cool. So we would do live shows because YouTube hadn't really hit yet. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, we're talking about 2003, right. 2004, right. uh, it was just starting to hit. So we did a couple of live shows and then we were like, Oh, okay, well let's get on this YouTube thing. Um, and at that time, um, Lonely Island was getting involved, uh, good neighbor, you know, all who went on to do great things with SNL. Uh, but we were in that pack, you know, and then you know, long story short, Gad got famous. Like he just started working and this guy was going to, this is also something for the young actors out there. He was going to give up. Like he was done because wow. he got to LA and he wasn't working. I think he did like one episode of ER and he's like, oh, fuck it. I'm going to go to law school. And his mom was like, so you're telling me that for 18 years you pursued this passion and you're not even going to give it two years to try to make something of it. You know? Wow. And it's, it's like, so she got through to him and, uh, and then he just, you know, he got spelling bee through Rory O'Malley actually Spelling Bee led to Book of Mormon. Um, and then, you know, on and on, then you get frozen and then you're just a celebrity. Yeah, so we it. had done, we, yeah, after we did our sketches, we did a DVD with the sketches. And then we had, we got uh, Fox produced a web series for us. That's where I worked with Fred Willard. It was called Rent Control. It was about a guy that runs a, well, it's, it was, uh, it was our start. Mm -hmm. uh, from there, we worked with BBC um, on GG, Almost America, which, anybody can watch now. I mean, it's, I think it's Gad at his best. It is. Uh, it is so super funny. I watched the uh, yeah. pocket aces yesterday and they was had me howling, yeah. man. And you're, and I want to say yeah. as well, your episode, uh, on the lost nomads, like when you did Kevin's script, man, Oh my God, man, you had me cackling. <laughs> yeah. That was the one that like solidified my place in the group. They were like, all right, yeah, we can work with this guy. Really? Hey, eh? was that kind of like everyone testing each other's writing skills out? Yeah, I mean, basically everybody had the opportunity to write something and that sketch just got picked. Um, but it was funny because I hadn't met like 90% of the people that were sitting around the table. Right. So I went in there because basically it's about a guy that is writing sexual scenarios into a script for the sole purpose of getting to hook up with these girls that are in this group. With That's them. right. Uh, it's basically what it is. <laughs> um so he, but anyway, so I hadn't met these people. So I was like, oh shit, like they're going to think I'm such an asshole. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this is so off. This is so bad. I'm saying these things, uh, but it worked. And uh, yeah, so anyway, so then BBC uh, came in, GG. We got some offers to go on, like to be on air. But again, Gad's celebrity was just climbing. You know, he got Book of Mormon, crushed it. And then he got comedians with uh, Billy Crystal, just crushed mm -hmm. it. He brought me into uh, pitch ideas with them. So I'm sitting next to Billy Crystal and, you know, my buddy Gad. And then you've got Larry Charles, who's, you know, probably one of the greatest comedian, uh, comedic minds in the world. He, you know, he's Seinfeld, he directed Borat. I mean, if you don't know who Larry Charles is, look him up. You'll love everything he's done. Wow. Uh, and uh, I guess he was the, the head writer 
showrunner for Arrested Development was in the room too. So I'm just like, what the fuck? Yeah, this you're like so sitting there. Yeah, you know well, I mean? of course, but you earned your spot there as well. Like, I mean, even just from watching like the bits of The Lost Nomad and I have seen option C with like the dog, the dog, uh, with the dogs <laughs> here when you don't adopt the dog. Yeah. Like, dude, like this stuff is funny. Like there is a place for it. And I actually find it interesting what you said earlier too, that because I had a question about The Lost Nomads and I was like, well, you guys did a sketch comedy and I wondered, were you guys wanting to do it for the stage? But I guess with the, like, were you wanting originally to do it with the stage or were you going to go like to TV film? But I guess with YouTube coming up, it's, that was actually quite a smart idea for you guys to go that route. Absolutely. Because again, like we were all just starting this. None of us had been a part. Well, that's not true. Some had, but we were taking this very seriously, starting the sketch comedy group. The thing was, is like, we just wanted it to get out to as many people as we could. And at that time, you know, basically what you would end up doing is you would do a live show and you would have uh, producers and uh, agents and, you know, interns and whoever you could get, managers, whoever you could get to come and watch the show. And they all did like really well. So they would like we were on that path. And then it was just like because it went so well, we only did two live shows, I think two performances of each. We then just jumped. We were able to only do two and before we were able to go straight onto YouTube and had the support to do that. Right. Um, and, and then, you know, that just continued again, like we skipped a lot of uh, steps uh, because, you know, I, obviously too, if you look at our like numbers of views and stuff for option C, when we were doing that and the lost nomads and stuff like they're low, right. they're really, you know, they're low because we didn't pump that much into it. We just moved on to developing TV shows and movies uh, and web series. So when you're doing projects like this, are you self-financing them? Like, are you taking all the money from these jobs that you're doing and reinvesting it in yourself because you all believe in the project? Or are you going yeah. elsewhere and getting financing externally? Yeah, the DIY thing, you you definitely end up funding. I will say we did get funding from Fox and BBC to do the two web series. Right. Things. Not a lot. I mean, right. we didn't really make anything. We put Part of what we did was we put whatever we were going to make into the project Correct. to make it as you know, as, as great as possible. Um, when we were doing the live stage stuff, yeah, like we paid for it, Yeah, you know, but there was enough of us that it didn't take too big of a chunk out. But, um, Ty Clancy, who's my closest, uh, working partner, writing, producing everything. Um, he's a director. He does a lot of commercials and stuff now. Uh, but he directs everything we've done. Um, he's, he has a production company called Victor house and they really flip the bill for most everything. Like they, they have, I mean, they like always have a place for anything that I ever do that I can involve them. And I happily will, because they're just, I mean, it's just, he's got two twin older brothers and the bow and gunner and they just kick ass. Like they're the hardest working people in show business. I mean, at least as hardworking as, um, and Ty, you know, so it's like they footed a, like the vast majority of the bill. Wow. What a, what days. a lucky opportunity that is. Cause I feel like that's yeah. like a lot of, uh, that's a lot of the, the, the things that a lot of people want to create, but they go, well, where am I going to get this funding from? And what an opportunity you had to have someone as well as a creative collaborator, but also as someone who's like, Hey man, like, listen, I believe in you and I can fork out some of this cash for us to create this thing. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's priceless. I mean, you need it. We would have found a way just because that's who we are. I mean, I remember I actually did. I wrote a short film, like film noir type thing called Koreatown with a buddy of mine mm. that I worked with at California Pizza Kitchen. Right. 
and you know, this is again, like this is when we're really young and it's just, it's, I don't know. It's, it's lost somewhere, uh, <laughs> but we did it. And I had my buddy Ty, uh, come and produce it. Or, I mean, well, he came and basically filmed it for free. I think we gave him like 20 bucks a day. So wow. basically did it for free. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he was young and trying to get a resume put together too. So, you know, sometimes you just luck out. Like sometimes the people that you come up with start to make it, but it's just because they keep at it. Really. Right. I mean, that's the biggest thing you can do in this industry is just keep fucking going. No matter how dark it gets, keep going. Cause there's every phase of your life. There's a type that you fit into. So if you're not fitting into something because of your age at the time, you'll age into whatever it is that you're going to do. And by the time you age into that, you'll be better at what you do. So you just stick with it, do what you can. I mean, like I've already talked about working at home Depot and California pizza kitchen. I mean, I, I've had so many jobs, bartending, everything. I mean, fuck, I was the stage manager. You were the stage manager for Greece. For Greece. <laughs> I know. Well, that's it. I know, Matt. And I think what's also interesting in your path is that you surround you. You talk a lot about like keep pushing and keep going through. And I think what's interesting is that you surround yourself. You have to surround yourself with people that want the same things as you do. Like as in having the same type of trajectories in energy, in in will, in will to keep going. And I think that's such an interesting thing because that's actually come up in in other interviews as well. Is that you have to surround yourself with the right people. Oh yeah, I mean, you want somebody that feeds off of that you can feed off of and just creatively expand due to what they bring to the table which is something that and i you know a lot of when you're starting out doing this a lot of it is collaboration if that's what you're into and i'm i'm heavily into collaboration nothing is sacred to me um i always say to young writers that come to me for advice i say well if you consider yourself a writer if something doesn't go right then write something else if you're a writer right if that one didn't work then write something else Wow. Or, or if you just had one great idea, well, then you're in a long line of people that have one great idea. It's what can you do next? Right. You know, and um, yeah. and what, what I also wanted to ask you is that in most cases that you are producing, you're also like either writing or composing or acting. Was this just a was this like a strategy for you to keep solidifying your other skills? Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, well, OK, the reason I started writing, I had never written a sketch uh, before I was in this group. And so I just kind of taught myself how to do it Wow! because I got to the point where I was auditioning so much. And I just, I booked like one commercial for Sharpie and I'd been on like 50 auditions. And so I was like, well, why don't I just like change the narrative? Like I'll just write my own stuff. I'll write stuff for me and for the group that we're in. And so I just taught myself how to do that because I was like, well, I want to take control of this, you know? Um, and if we, if I can't get on TV, then I'll just produce something here that we can put out there that will hopefully lead to that. But to be able to control your own, you know, destiny, if you will, is I, I found that to be very important and a huge turning point for my career. Wow. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially that you're just teaching yourself how to do it. And then you come up with something like Kevin's script. And I mean, man, as I say, guys, like seriously, check out that sketch. It was really, <laughs> really, really funny. So you've been I mean, we talked about all the list of jobs that you've had, and you've been an executive producer on GG Almost American. Um, mm -hmm. Then you've got... Oh, just producer. Oh, yeah, executive. Yep. You were an executive on GG Almost American, uh, associate producer on Say What, and producer on Central Park. And we're going to get into Central Park, but tell us a little bit about what each of these roles entailed and kind of how they differ. With GG Almost American, 
or almost America? Is it America or American? I guess you it's have a, it. In it's, front an, of it. it's American, almost American. Yeah. All right. So take back what I said earlier. Watch it. <laughs> almost American. So it could be almost America. Uh, I mean, I have it. I do have it in front of me like nine times. Well, I, in the song, it says almost America. Right. And so that's why that, and I did that song. I wrote that I song know you composed show. it. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Based off of like a, a Woody Guthrie type style of music, something very Americana. Right. Um, but with Gigi, as far as being a, an executive producer, like we were all hands on deck. I mean, we fucking, we did everything. Like we wrote it. We, my buddy Ty staged it. Um, you know, we, if something had to be moved, we moved it. You know, we just, we did everything. Um, I would, and we, we would do a lot of improv, uh, improv in it. So like sometimes if we're shooting, like if somebody, if we saw something that the other person didn't see, we'd go in and be like, Hey, for this take, just like, you know, try this, right. you know, and then, and for the most part, we work really well together doing that type of thing. Um, and then for say what, um, I only did, I think I only wrote, Oh, say what? Oh, that's the kid show. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really cool. That was in Berkeley, California. So again, for that one, wrote everything, um, helped direct the kids. It, that was very, that one paid, which was really cool. And we got to stay in Berkeley or in Oakland for a couple weeks in like just outside of San Francisco, which was awesome. Um, but we were working with kids. And so, you know, I mean, and they were very talented, uh, but what ended up happening with that company was they went bankrupt. And so like, we didn't get paid for the entire second season. And it was, it was a good chunk of, of change. Oh yeah, I bet. Um, and so basically we wrote an entire new show for them, which again, was just taking the initiative to do something else for them. You know, and they, after we had succeeded in this say what show, which was basically like, you can't do that on television or, I mean, it was like 30 rock for kids. So it was like little kids in the sketch comedy group and then the behind the scenes stuff right. for them. Um, and then, uh, uh, I hate that show was the one we developed, which was, which was cool because that's where we got to come in and really do it. And we, there was a lot of musical numbers, a lot of musical uh, aspects to it. And that one was going to be really cool. And then, like I said, the company folded. So wow. that, that was, that was when the recession hit and basically the first, the Bush recession, like that one, that's when that hit and like everything just collapsed. And that was one of the casualties of it. Wow. Um, but then, yeah, so and then with what was the last? So it was one? being oh, a producer on Marvel on Marvel. being a producer on Central Park. So oh, how the, how Central they differ? Is, oh, big time! So Central Park, we wrote a song for the second season and stuff, and you know this the initial idea was was mine. Gad asked me for a cartoon, um, and I gave him uh, this show called Little Apple, which then morphed into Central Park when Lauren Burchard came on, the guy that. Uh, created Bob's Burgers. Right. He came on and really took the reins and brought in his people and just, I mean, the guy's a comedic genius. So you can't really, if this is the the way that he likes to work, that's the way he likes to work. Right. So as a producer, I just kind of like was on the sidelines for this one. Um, but gradually working my way into the show to be a bigger part of it. Uh, you know, it didn't help that I moved to New York. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's hard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but so basically for that, I just kind of, you know, like I'll get somebody will talk to me about an idea for the show and I'll, I'll give them my input. But the way that I got the producer credit was coming up with the initial idea. So that's how you earn that credit is basically, you know, I started the production of it. And so now I get to be a producer and I own a, 
this is a cool thing about that is I own a little percentage of the show. And I would say to anybody that gets to that point, always take the back end deal. If you believe in the project, like take that because that's where it, you can kind of, you know, stay involved with it no matter what. It's a cool thing. Right. So, and then you have the Hollywood reporter says that Kevin Larson, who was instrumental in putting the project together, will produce. And then Josh Gad mentions in an Instagram post saying, you know, that this could not have happened without you. So what exactly do they mean by this? Uh, Well, Central Park is, was birthed off of my initial idea. So the whole concept of actual Central Park, that's where the genius of Lauren Burchard came gotcha. in. Now, Josh and I spoke about how we wanted it to be a musical and we wanted to have, well, there it's a busker now, but I wanted to have a homeless guy kind of narrate like a Jimmy Cricket character. So all of those elements, a family living in Central Park, you know, things like that. The reason, like what I came up with, which is very similar is we've done so many pitch meetings. We've gotten so close to selling shows in the past. Uh, and in one of the meetings, you know, the, I think it was somebody at, uh, probably at uh, Hulu or something. I, I don't even know, but said that basically like you have to come up with an idea that is accessible to everybody in America. So you, you can't just like disconnect from the South or, you know, the Northeast, Northwest, the middle America, you know, Bible Belt, any of that mm-hmm. stuff, you got to make sure that they're. So my idea was to put a trailer park in Central Park as like subsidized housing. <sighs> And then you get the whole concept of the the heiress wanting to knock it down and build condos and, you know, all that stuff. So all of that, all of those elements were still in there. Right. And, you know, the the character on top, obviously very, being very Trumpian or Trump oriented, you know, because that's. That is what it I is. Mean, yeah. That, yeah. He would love to flatten Central Park and throw up a, an Applebee's if he could. You know? <laughs> and so. Just that type. So, so as accredited producer, does it how much do you have say in like the casting and creative like choices throughout the process of it? Well, I was in a meeting with Lauren and Josh and we discussed that like our ideal cast and it was, it, it was pretty unanimous on who we wanted and what parts. Um, and you know, one of the big gets was Catherine Hahn who plays the mom and she's just a, like, a comedic genius. I say comedic genius a lot. I'm giving it to a lot of people, but every single one of them deserves it. I mean, she's stellar. Um, I first saw her on Anchorman and I just thought like she does, I think she's got like three lines or something, but she stands out in the pack like always. And now she's, you know, had her own show on HBO. Like she's just killing it and she crushes it. And, you know, even starting it, she was like, yeah, I I don't sing. And I was like, yeah, you do. (laughs) You're great. You know? And then Leslie Odom, you know, that was, it, it helps a lot when the person that comes to you and asks if you can be in a TV show is Josh Gad, you know, right. when he goes and he's going to his buddies, like Leslie and him, they went to college together. They were in the same class. Um, and Leslie blew up, you know, obviously from Hamilton, Hamilton and the guy. Yeah. He was, he was one of those dudes that you just always knew something was going to happen just because his voice is, is, oh shit. Sorry. <laughs> for, for everyone that just didn't see that, a cat just walked in front of the camera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like in, on the yeah. keyboard. <laughs> I'm still here. Uh, what exactly is this journey of Central Park and how does it all come to be? Well, okay. So, um, oh my God, this, this is also something good for your viewers to hear, uh, just as far as longevity is concerned. Um, this I I think I wrote the pilot for this in like two th- 
2013. 2012, wow. 2013. Yeah. So we went through a couple different showrunners. Um, it immediately like it got put on a path. And then once it got picked up by Fox, they then, you know, brought in uh, they once Lauren signed on to it, then it took like, I think like two more years or so to get it going just because obviously mm-hmm. logistically with, um, cartoons and everything might've taken three years, but you know, just getting all the, and adding the musical theater element to it, you know, doesn't, not that it doesn't help, but I mean, it helps immensely just for as far as what it is, which is why we wanted to do musical theater in it because nobody had really done that. Like South Park will do songs, Simpsons will do songs, Family Guy will do songs, but to have something that's an actual cartoon musical, almost like in a, a Disney-esque, you know? Well, and tells, and tells story through song too, this show does, which it, is, I think, so wonderful. Exactly, exactly. I think the only people that really come close to doing that are the dudes at South Park, and that's just because they're in a league of their own. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. they're, I, they might be the smartest writers on the planet right now. Um, yeah, they are very good. Did yeah. you see their new special? The, oh, of course. The COVID special? Nailed yeah, it. it's so good. Nailed it. Just like yeah, those little, right? those little concepts of putting the police into be the teachers because the police are getting defunded, not defunded, but they're, because they're having so much trouble. Uh, it's just, I mean, it's just smart. It's such a, yeah. it's such a like easily conceived concept, but to actually do it is it's so it just seems like oh yeah of course you should do that but those guys are the yeah ones the execution yeah, the execution exactly. is totally different exactly. right yeah yeah so mm-hmm. hats off to them always for everything um yeah so uh so yeah it took a long time and it was you know like when i was on the ship with you um i think yeah we had already gotten lauren on board so they were wow. developing the show while i was while i was working with royal wow yeah, see, it's like one of those things that takes years, hey? Yeah, it does. Like, it takes a lot of time to nurture an idea into something really special. And luckily for you guys, too, you guys signed on with a two-year deal right away as well for two seasons. We got very lucky. Um, basically, we went out. Fox had first dibs, and and um, I don't – well, if I'm not allowed to say this, nobody said I couldn't, uh, that I remember. They uh, They passed. Um, on putting it on, I think they would have put it probably in the cartoon block with everybody else, Simpsons mm-hmm. and Family Guy and stuff, which is what a great place to be. But yeah, absolutely. But so we went out to Hulu, um, Netflix, and Amazon, Apple, right? Yeah, Apple. Oh, Amazon, Hulu, okay. Netflix, Amazon, and Apple. We went out to all four of them, um, and so they all bit like in the room. They all said, "Yeah, yes," which is, I mean, that's just it doesn't happen. Um, right. So then we said to, we said, well, who wants to give us two seasons? You know, and they all said yes cool again. So it was oh, well, all three of, <laughs> yeah, or all four of them yeah, said exactly. yes. Hey, yeah. wow. What a, what a luxury, man. Like well, what a luxury to have it's that. It's not normal for sure. But mm-hmm. again, you know, it's just keeping your head in the game. Like really, honestly, I mean, it's just like, obviously I always live by like fortune favors the prepared, you know, just, Mm. Be prepared, you know, whenever fortune right. comes knocking on your door. Um, so then we just said, like, oh, who should we go with? Now, you know, to break it down with who we wanted to, why we went with Apple was, like, Netflix is an amazing vessel, but it's so easy to get lost in the shuffle there because they, obviously, they produce so much content. Um, so it's, you, you're, you're kind of the, the hot dog for, like, a day. You know what I mean? And then, right. and then something 
cool comes out and you're pumped. Um, and then Hulu is great, but, uh, I guess it just like, I don't know, format wise, same with Amazon. Um, and also Apple was just exciting because it was new and we were going to be their flagship cartoon. Um, and Apple, Mm -hmm. obviously they, they don't really mess around with something that they'll stand behind what they produce. Um, and you see that in the shows that they do, you see that. Yeah, exactly. Morning show is great. So it was us and morning show that got offered two seasons out of the gate. And that's good company given the, you know, the talent that they have on that show and that shows genius. So, you know, wonderful. Yeah. So we watched that show and we were like, Oh, great. You know, cause we were slated to come up next and you know, we're like, great, this is all right. They know what they're doing. And then, um, Central Park just took off. Like we got amazing reaction. I think it's because musical theater has become such an integral part of society right now. You know, like obviously like Book of Mormon and Hamilton, I, I would say, put it back on the map to where it was, it's hot shit now to do it, you know? Oh were, yeah, man. You know? Absolutely. And when it's done correctly too, it's a big difference too. Like, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Which it can't be always said, okay? which can't always be said about the stuff that gets produced and put out into the world. It is a golden, I think, yeah, personally. it is a golden era of musical theater and the stuff that has come out recently. And it's just been this, God, this, this COVID just tragic because all of our friends, everybody, you know, from stagehands to people that work the box office to people, you know, in the show, publicity, everything, everybody's out of work. And it's so sad. For example, it even hit home with us because my wife booked her first Broadway show. Now, she, Yeah, that's right. So she's been doing stuff. She was on The Oasis as Tracy. Uh, that's right. And she, uh, they did the Tonys and she was the Tracy on the Tonys. Um I remember watching that in a bar in Toronto, actually, with our last guest, with our last guest that was just on, Michael Rubinoff, who produced Come From Away on Broadway, etc. And he was, I remember standing next to him and watching that on broad, or watching that show and going, man, that'd be pretty fun to like work for on a ship one day. And look how you and I meet. Dude, exactly. And honestly, like for musical theater kids out there, audition for Royal, honestly, like they pay like pretty much Broadway contract style payments, you get to see the world. Yeah, absolutely. You can save money because you don't have to have an apartment. Um, and you just meet amazing people from all around the world. And also the quality of stuff they put on. It's just, it's amazing. Like the talent it's, that they I mean, get is, is, I mean, second to none, really. I mean, I'm telling you, some of those costumes, man, they are, uh, it's they're, they're a pretty, they're a pretty penny, man. They're not, like some of those ones. Yeah, they're, they're not, not cutting any corners. No, they're not, which is a, which is one of the great things about that company. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get into this game we call we play called Radio Play. So it's a little bit less about you, Kevin, the producer, and we get to know more about you, Kevin, the person. Okay. Is that cool? Yeah, yeah. We'll find awesome. out if it's okay. cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So here is Radio Play. What time do you wake up in the morning? Uh, it's never the same time. Okay. Radio or music? Uh, Radio or music, like listening to the radio, yeah. or just yes, listening or, to music uh, on my yeah. Which which one music. do you prefer? Ooh, uh, unlimited well, I mean budget. that's just because I've known it longer. Yeah, true, true. Uh, oat milk or almond milk? I go almond. Actually, but okay, I gotta this switch one... to oat because almonds are taking up all our water. Oh, so. there you go. To I'm oat. gonna go throw. Away, I'm gonna go throw away my silk milk that I have in the no, fridge. No, if you now. got it, drink uh, it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's got to be worth the water that exactly, I use. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, the most like, this will be an interesting one for you. The most famous person you've ever met. Oh, oh the most famous person. That's tough. I met. Um, hmm. 
Here comes the ultimate name drop. Oh, I know. It's just, t- I guess that I've met and, and like actually associated with, or, or actually was working with. I worked at a pizza place in Pacific Palisades, California. So I, I pretty much met everybody, but like I was just giving them pizza. But the most famous person I met, Billy Crystal. Wow. What a legend, man. Yeah. One of my one of my personal favorite like people on this earth. Funny dude. Um, the most famous person you have in your phone. <laughs> Josh Gad. Yeah, Josh Gad. But he's okay. like super uh, famous now, which is crazy. <laughs> so it's like... I know, because he's probably just a guy that you text with on like the regular just being yeah, like, Hey, what's he's up, my man? Friend before anything else. If you could travel anywhere in the world, where would it be? Um, I you know, right now I really have like a huge hankering to go to New Zealand. Yes, that's on my list too. Honestly, the only thing that's stopping me from going there is how long it takes to get there. Yeah, and they're really particular about people coming there, which I think is why it's still so pristine. Like it's basically it's the hardest place to relocate to to like so gain like citizenship. To. Yeah, citizenship wow. or even get a visa because and that's, that's why it's so clean and beautiful. Oh, I mean, it is stunning. Yeah. Um, do you have to delete one of these? Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook? Facebook. Um, if you have a spider in your house, do you kill it or set it free? Set it free. Encourage it to stay living there. If you couldn't be a producer, what would you be? Uh, I'd, I'd want to, like, well, that, I'm just going to say that encompasses everything acting. I'd, I'd, everybody wants to be a rock star. Finish the sentence. In the future, I'd like to... Um, own the place I live in. Do you like to share food? Yeah. Like, without Ooh, a doubt. That's a tough one. Yeah. I hate that. Um, if you were given the opportunity to fly into space, given today's technology, would you do it? Hell yeah. In a fucking second, dude. <laughs> All right. That's radio play. That's wicked, man. Those are great answers. I love that. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you a few more questions. Um, one of them is still about uh, Central Park. So because you were such an instrumental part in this whole process, were you in the pitch meetings? I was so, no, I, I wasn't. Uh, not because I was you in weren't. New York. And also, look, when you have a Lauren Burchard and a Josh Gad, you which they is part of the of pitch it. thing is like you don't want to have too many cooks in the kitchen. You just you put right. in your fucking all star lineup and you let them go. That's wicked. That's good advice. Every, I've been in all. I've been in pitch meetings for basically every television company through the Lost Nomads. Well, tell us a little bit about that. It's, like, tell us what that process is like. Well, uh, the big thing that you want to do is obviously like you've jumped through all the hoops that you need to jump through to get it ready on your end. Um, and you always want to do what's called a pilot presentation. And so you have to like have visuals or at least that's how I feel. Um, we did, we, we pitched a TV show that was going to be a, a human puppet hybrid called no strings attached. And we got really close to selling. We were working. Well, I guess I can, yeah, I can. It's a funny anecdote. Uh, we were working with Kevin Clash, who uh, did Elmo. And literally, we were at one of our last meetings at Bento Box, who actually produces, uh, they do the all the animation for Central Park. Uh, and we're at one of our last meetings. And on the radio that morning, the news line was that Kevin Clash got in trouble for like underage boys. <laughs> so we were like, well, there goes that project. No way. Yeah. So it's you're like, joking me. No, it's all part of it, man. It's like, you never know, like you never know which way the wind's going to blow. And that was a huge blow. Like, it, cause we were literally like, we're ready to go in. We, we had already met with, um, well, we, we were ready to go in and then we, <laughs> we were going to go in with him, you know, your heavy hitter, your, your, your name, your voice. And, uh, right. and we ended up, 
you know, reshuffling the deck and we went out to, nobody picked it up, but we went out to Hulu and, um, TBS and, uh, FX, Amazon, everybody, you know, Netflix. Wow, man. I cannot believe that. So did you end up having that meeting that day or no? Well, we did in the sense that we're over meeting at Bento Box and we were just kind of like, okay, like, you know, what do we do now? And we brought in a, another showrunner, um, this guy, uh, David Israel, who's just awesome, awesome guy. Uh, and he came in and worked on it with us and we went out and pitched with him and it was, it was really cool. I learned a lot from that guy. Uh, he's sort of a seasoned vet in the writing industry. That's so awesome. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you again, a little bit again about Central Park. So in any, so did you like, when you're sitting there in post or when you're still like animating this thing or when you're listening to the music, are you being able, like whether or not you're on the other side of the country or you're in California, are you able to give your creative input? Yeah, absolutely. Cause I give it through, um, you know, phone calls with different people that are working on the show. And, you know, I, I have access to things that, uh, not everybody has access to, but again, like for the most part, and that's just the way that this is, they like they're they've got like Lauren he runs a tight ship like he's he brought his people in and you know it's sort of that concept of if it ain't broke don't fix it with him you know what I mean and so I think he just like he has an idea of what he wants it to do the guy that has a lot of input is Gad obviously um and basically him and I are on the same page you know with what we've always wanted this to be um, yeah, well, I mean, you're, both of your both of your taste has been trained at the same place, which I think is interesting that you say that. Yeah, like I mean, both going to Carnegie Mellon, learning from the same type of people, and then you both going to the Groundlings, like and and grow and kind of you guys are basically like longtime collaborators and friends, right? Well, so, yeah, and that, like my big thing with Gad is is like, you know, like I make him laugh. Whenever we're shooting something together, it's my goal literally to break him. Like that's, I go into the scene once, once I know we have it, like once I know we've got it in the can, then when we get to improvise, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to break him. Like I'm totally going to break him. The success what an opportunity. rate is pretty good. Yeah. It's a, like yeah that's, that's one of the best things you can do. In my opinion, a lot of people are like, don't waste our time with this shit, <laughs> but <laughs> gotta have fun. It's supposed to be fun. Well, this segues really nicely into this last question here for you. And is that you got to work with your comedy hero, Fred Willard. Yeah. Um, so what was that? Like, tell us a little bit about that opportunity that, and, and working with like such a seasoned vet like himself. Yeah, it was terrifying. Honestly, like that's the only way I can describe it. It Because again, like to me, he is a, a legend, like a, it, you know, comedically, it doesn't get any better. You know, he's a highlight of everything he's in and he does it in his own unique way that when I was working with him, first of all, I couldn't, I, I was like, you're fucking kidding me right he was so nice um but i was scared you know because i i had written all the lines that he was saying and so you're standing next to the guy and you're like oh no is he gonna like this you know uh i remember walking into his dressing room now his dressing room just to set the stage was so we filmed it in my old apartment i had a, a place in koreatown los angeles it's like a super cool spot now, Koreatown. But when I lived there, it definitely wasn't. But we had a huge 2,000 square foot apartment that we, again, DIY, shot it in there to save money. Um, 
And so I walk into the back room where he's sitting there like eating the sandwich and he's reading a Chip Hearn book. You know what I mean? Like the Dodgers announced the famous. And I like see the book and it's like that moment. I was like, fuck, I wish I knew more about the Dodgers. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's yeah. Right. Like, yeah. You're typically, you're, you're, yeah. you're like, but you knew enough to, you knew enough to recognize the name in the book. Oh yeah. 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 But you know what I mean? It's like, you want to come off as cool and you just end up coming off like an idiot. You know, I remember saying to him, like, I was like, Oh, uh, um, yeah, you know, I wrote this. So, and I'll be like co-starring with you. And he's like, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like he gives a fuck about this guy. You know what I mean? Right. Because I'm like, and at that time I was like 24 or something. You know what I mean? I was wow. so young that I would just, I don't, I didn't have the, the stay. I mean, I was like, that was my first thing. That was my first like web series. My first thing was standing next to yeah. Fred Willard and just being like, oh God. Uh, but he was awesome. I mean, it was just, uh, that I'm so lucky to have met the man before he, you know, went. Cause he, he, he brought a lot of laughter to this world. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, I saw it on your Facebook, that picture of you two standing together. And I obviously watched a bit of the trailer yesterday and just like, wow, man, he's even funny in that trailer, man. Like he's just like he, 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 his, 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 his comedic timing and everything is so simplistic and everything that he does. And it's just so honest that you can't help but laugh. And this, yeah. you know, I got him the one, when I felt like we were in good hands, I, I, I wrote a line that he, you know, gave props to he i i said when he was exiting i said or he i had him say now i'm gonna make like christian and bail and he was like <laughs> and then he like slaps me in the face but he was like uh he, he stopped he's like what 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 is that and i think josh was like you know like christian bail you know and he was like oh okay that's funny and i was like fred willard said that shit was funny <laughs> dude i'm just like, like I'm what done. an accomplishment yeah, i'm right? done yeah. I got you know i'm just like gleaming like it was so awesome wow that's so awesome. Well, Kevin, seriously, we, I've taken it up enough of your time. You're so wonderful. You're so honest. You've obviously created such a unique pathway for yourself. You never gave up. You continued to pursue and you surrounded yourself with the right people. And it's gotten you two seasons on Apple TV and you're already on Hulu as well. Like, congratulations, man. It's like seriously such such an honor and a privilege for me to have you on the podcast. Yo, great to see you again, buddy. This was awesome. And again, let me just leave everybody with this. Stay in the game. Stay in the game. Times are going to get tough, but stay in the game. That's it.